it should be intuitively obvious to the casual observer that the United States has a war-based economy, but sadly, this is, is not true. Very few Americans recognize that. But one of the features of a war-based economy is you need good enemies. And if you can't find good enemies, you need to create those enemies. And we're seeing now in the Middle East the rise of ISIS, and there's questions about its origins. And so we'd like to discuss an article today by Professor James Petrus, and it's entitled The Age of Imperial Wars. And I'd like to start off with a quotation from Professor Petrus's article here. Quote, there is no question that wars and military threats have replaced diplomacy, negotiations, and democratic elections as the principal means of resolving political conflicts. Throughout the present year, 2015, wars have spread across borders and escalated in intensity. The NATO allies, U.S., Turkey, and the EU have openly attacked Syria with airstrikes and ground troops. There are plans to occupy the northern sector of that ravaged country, creating what the Erdogan regime, and that's Turkey, dubs a buffer zone cleanse of its people and villages. Under the pretext of fighting ISIS, the Turkish government is bombing Kurds, civilians and resistance fighters, and their Syrian allies. On Syria's southern border, U.S. Special Forces have accelerated and expanded operations from their bases in Jordan on behalf of the mercenary terrorists funded by the monarchist Gulf states. Over 4 million Syrians have fled their homes as refugees and over 200,000 have been killed since the U.S.-EU-Turkey-Saudi-sponsored war against the secular Syrian government, which was launched four years ago, unquote. And they've got a, a graphic here that really, I think, depicts this quite well. It's a picture of ISIS fighters, and they're holding flags of various nations. And the title is, Stop U.S., Israel, Saudi Arabia, Turkey, and Qatar from supporting ISIS terrorists. And so what we're seeing, of course, with, as they mentioned there, the over 200,000 have been killed in Syria, but the over 4 million people of uh, refugees. And in a article I just found today from Reuters, it's about the refugee problem in Hungary. And they've had uh, over 100,000, and most of those here in recent months have come from Syria. And so this process was explained very well by former Representative Ron Paul. He called the process blowback. So when we create these wars, we get blowback. And so in this case, we've got all these refugees fleeing from these terrible wars, in this case in Syria, and they're flooding countries like Hungary and Greece, of course, is in dire straits. So we're seeing this. Another example of blowback that James Petrus mentions in his article here is what happened not too many years ago in Iraq, actually. Quote, imperial wars raged throughout the Middle East and South Asia. Hundreds of experienced Ba'athist Iraqi military officers who had been expelled or jailed and tortured by the U.S. Occupation Army 
have now made common cause with Islamist fighters to form ISIS and efficiently occupy a third of Iraq and a strategic swath of Syria. So there's another good example of blowback. And one of the things that we want to talk about here is the disinformation that's going on here in the United States about the nature of ISIL and uh, tying it to Islam, where people, when they think of ISIS or ISIL, they think of Islam as being synonymous. Chuck? Well, I'd like to first make a comment about adding to Mr. James Petra's book, which I have not yet read, but which is shuddering to read this uh, story that we are printing on the website about uh, from uh, Dr. Petrus summarizing so many of these uh, warring actions. And one that struck me was in Ecuador. He talks about in Ecuador where President Rafael Correa, he's the man who gave WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange uh, asylum in their London, England embassy. And uh, now we find out that Ecuador is under attack from within and Petrus uh, goes on and explains how uh, funding uh, from foreign powers have, uh, are attempting to overthrow and throw out Rafael Correa as the uh, two-time elected president there. And you can just see the fingerprints so clearly. Someone bucks the United States by giving asylum to Julian Assange. The next thing you know, he has big trouble in his own country. And uh, it's going on all the time. There have been other people that have written about these things. Uh, I would just like to make that, that additional comment. And there are dozens of these stories that we can raise from his book. I think we all should read the book and, in, in agony and pain and think about it uh, because the, the war game is on. There's no question about it. And he points out so clearly that this game is war. And something I liked about the story was that uh, he ended the story on a very positive note. James Petrus said, in the age of imperial wars, when will we cut our losses and shake off the bonds of those war makers, foreign and domestic? That's what he says at the very end of his paper. So he, he's appealing to people to actually shake off the bonds and, and do something about this. Well, addiction is very hard to get over. And another interesting story about Ecuador, I assume this is true, I can't give you the source right now, but the president there was asked by the United States to allow the U.S. to to put a military base in Ecuador. And he said that, yes, that they could do that if the United States would allow Ecuador to put a base near Miami. And uh, I I don't think that went uh, too well with the United States government. So uh, as far as I know, there has been no military base for Ecuador in the Miami suburbs. There might be other comments before I launch into this uh, story about uh, our, our friend who wrote to us and how he's been taken in by this ISIL issue. One of the things that we see, of course, is our media has done a fantastic job of conditioning Americans to accept these wars and not question what we're, we're doing there. And this phenomenon of ISIL, which really is a product of what he's done there, just as that little quote that uh, I read earlier, uh, we have been conditioning, and as we mentioned, to equate them with Islam, and so they're all the enemy. And so I'd like Chuck to talk about a, a longtime friend uh, of ours, 
who has followed our work here at We Hold These Truths, that sent in a most amazing letter, actually. It just uh, kind of blew us away. Chuck? Well, this is a case in point of somebody who should know better and who we've known for a long time and who we've always considered to be very much on our side. And he writes in part of this short, short letter to me. It's a Dear Chuck letter. I read your Facebook input relative to the Israeli-Palestinian issue and uh, would counter this with an article that he enclosed, which uh, we didn't bother with the article. It wasn't too germane. Then he goes on to say, are you on the side of, Islam- of the Islamic horde of violence? Question mark. I think not. Surely you can see, and then he goes on and talks about Israel being a very small place and very vulnerable, and he concludes by saying, I'm 100% for Israel and 100% against the Islamic State. So now, putting his remarks together, what he's talking about is ISIL or ISIS. In other words, the Islamic State of Syria and Iraq is ISIL and or ISIS. And that is clearly the uh, meaning of his remarks. He's essentially been hearing about this, reading about it, and he's, what he's done now is he has equated all Muslims, including the Palestinians, with the, quote, Islamic State. So then this has dehumanized the Palestinians to where he says he's 100% for the Israelis. He said he'd been, in his letter, that he'd been studying this matter recently. He's basically been followed the line that has been put together here around the idea that anybody that has anything to do with Islam then is part of ISIL. And this is the war-making scheme that has been whipped up and intensified that is allowing Saudi Arabia to completely rack destruction against its neighbors and Islamic State. And it's it's allowing the uh, promotion of Israel's aims at war in Iran. So we see this in the letter, and, we, and I've answered him and uh, tried to explain to him that uh, what ISIL is and pointing out to him that he needs to learn what ISIL is, who is funding it, where it's come from, and what is their objectives. So, however, coming from someone we know very well is a kind of a shock and reveals how important it is that we make an issue out of ISIS or ISIL, which are the term you choose. So we're actually going to change our website. We're going to make a category for understanding ISIS. And we're actually going to be talking about this regularly. We're going to find others' words that, that we can post about it. We're going to be sending them around, and we're going to actually try to cope with this war-making scheme that is turning people's minds, and including our good friend who uh, wrote us a letter. Questions? Chuck, I thought it was really good what you said about the dehumanizing. That is a key element in any of these conflicts. I was, I was saddened this week. I picked up uh, the book, American Sniper, of course, which the movie was, t- was taken from. And he, uh, right in the middle of the first part of the story, he, uh, he talks about seeing a, a woman coming out of a village and she's carrying a, a Chinese grenade. And he talks about he was looking into the face of pure evil. You know, and it's in, in just totally dehumanizing the enemy, and that way you can you can do what you want, uh, whether it's a uh, fetus or a whatever you want to call the, your enemy, you dehumanize them, and that's what we see happening all over the place now. 
lumping uh, these ISIS fighters with all Muslims. And for centuries, Muslims, Christians, and Jews have lived together in peace. And, and now uh, it's, a, it's a war against Islam. Well, very good. And, and something that we will be talking about a good bit is what is the religion of Islam? We're really pressed into this because uh, they can't talk about it. No one will believe them. What is the religion of Islam and what is the religion of ISIL or ISIS? And we find that uh, the religion of ISIL really equates very closely with the so-called Wahhabi sect, Wahhabis being named after one of the ancient Islamic uh, leaders named Wahhabi who formed a sect of his own and it became, it was rejected everywhere except uh, Saudi Arabia and it was adopted in Saudi Arabia after World War II in a big way in order to control the population. And it's the basis of cutting off hands, fingers, feet, uh, whatever offends you cut it off, so you cut off the, the hand, let's say. And of course, beheading is a standard practice in Saudi Arabia, so the Wahhabi religion simply holds that you behead malefactors, and uh, there have been over 100 uh, beheadings in Saudi Arabia this year. Our media and press never points out that the religion of ISIL and the religion of Wahhabism are the same. And uh, we've probably, probably said this before, we're probably repeating it, but we need to point out that the people who live in Gaza, the most Islamic place perhaps in the world, has the least Christians there because most of them have left. When I was there, I found the Catholics uh, running their churches in perfect uh, peace. I found the Greek Orthodox Church operating for, forever there, and I found the Southern Baptist Church still functioning there, all of them right in the neighborhoods with uh, minarets and Islamic people all around them, and no particular tension at all. But we would be led to believe that anybody Islamic would want to kill anybody Christian on sight. And of course, they'd have every opportunity in Gaza because there's nobody there to protect anyone except from Muslims, except other Muslims. Uh, so we talk about this. We're going to also need to talk about the fact that there are going to be people, young men, in places like Gaza or in the West Bank who, if they could possibly get out, and if ISIL would pay them a living wage to do it, they would probably go and fight with ISIL simply because they have been abused so long that they want to get even. And uh, a job fighting against Western imperialism, end quote, uh, would probably suit an awful lot of people, and yet it would not mean a thing as to what Islam thinks about Islam or Islam thinks about Islam. But these are things we're going to be, need to be talking about as time goes on, if we're going to be effective in exposing what Islam is. And, of course, our main thrust here, we hold these truths, is to get Christians to heed what Jesus taught. So, in my estimation, the Christian Zionist is kind of a sect be analogous to the Wahhabists. Now, they don't actually cut people's heads off, but they, wow. <laughs> they, they do condone these wars where people are being killed. As an example uh, that you can find on our website, they even pray for war to protect Israel. So the end results are, are very similar. That's so great, Tom, such a great thought that... Christian Zionism is the Wahhabism of Christianity. That's, uh, that is a wonderful comparison. Uh, it's, uh, it's, just, it's just great. And it is so true because they do forget all about Jesus' admonitions to love your brother, care for your 
enemy, give comfort to the wandering person who's in your community, love even your enemy, and of course, blessed be the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. What more can you be called? And we'd like to remind people to choose life, not war. And remember to ask the question of your friends, who would Jesus bomb?